All right, you guys, let's pray on that note. Lord, help my notes, and Lord, help me. Let's pray, and we'll get started. God, man, Lord, you, you know what's up, and you know, God, thank you, Father, for even just right now catching a hold of this little mistake, Lord God. But Father, I thank you, Lord, that in your kingdom, God, you work all things together for good, even the stuff, Lord, when we screw it up. And God, I thank you, Father, that as we come to your word, Lord, tonight, Lord God, that we can just, just focus in. Thank you, Father, for the many that are here. Praise your name, God, for those that are watching online. And Lord, thank you for those that are gonna listen later on our podcast. God, we praise your name, God, not that uh, uh, any of this means anything except for the fact, Lord, that your word is the power that we're looking for. God, your word is the thing, Lord. It's, it's our source, Lord God, of everything. And so, Father, as we open it, Lord, we know your word will not return void, God. And so, Lord, as we dig in now, Lord, would you change our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you open us up, till up the soil of our hearts, prepare our hearts, our minds, our eyes, everything we need, God, senses-wise, Lord, to be ready to to be prepared, God, for the things that you want to speak to us. Lord, move in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, you guys, we did take our trip through chapter four. We looked at this long trip through this entire process of rebuilding. And remember last week, for those of you guys that were here, we went all the way into like near the end of Nehemiah in chapter four. So Ezra was kind of all over the map historically, like timing wise. He was all over the map. Why? Because he was kind of taking this parenthetical chapter, so to speak, from like verse five, it ended. So from verse six then on to verse 23 was like this parentheses. It was kind of like in parentheses, like, and also there was all these other times that we had trouble, right? All these other times that people came against us. And if anybody's ever read the book of Nehemiah, you know, there were definitely some times within the book of Nehemiah that, that, that there was trouble. And we're going to keep reading about trouble even tonight. But remember verse 24 kind of brought us back to where we were in that moment. And verse 24 said, thus the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem ceased, and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And so tonight, as we jump into chapter five, we need to remember all of the many hindrances that they went through in chapter four. And we need to remember as well, you guys, that at this point, starting in chapter five, they had been at a standstill for a little while. This is something that they just stopped working, right? Why? Well, here's why. Satan, through people, brought threats, tattletales, right? People in power that didn't want to allow this to continue. But we also ended with this truth. You guys remember this? Satan might have won a small battle, but he definitely didn't win the war. And that's true in our lives today, isn't it? You walk through and you get a little mud on your feet because you're like, ah, oh, Lord, my finger just happened to extend when I meant to say hi to that guy that cut me off right? Or whatever it is. And you're like, oh God, why? Why Lord? Right? Yeah. You get a little mud on you, but guess what? The war's not over. The war's won. Jesus already won the war. It's over. It is over. The battle may have been lost, but you have the victory through Christ. Amen. And so you guys, we can't forget that. Tonight, we're going to see God show up in a major, major way for the people of Israel. And we're going to see that they're going to begin this process again of standing in the truth and standing on God. I've called this message tonight, come at me, bro. Because <laughs> that's kind of what I felt like when I read it. I was like, oh, God's like, come at me, bro, bring it. And it done got brought, right? And God's like, oh, I got something for you. <laughs> and we're going to read that tonight. So yeah, come at me, bro. And I don't know about you guys, but there's times in my life, especially when I'm going through some garbage and the enemy's eating my lunch, that I need God to be like, I got this, right? You step behind me, son. Because he's like, come at me. Come on, I dare you. Bring it, bring your best shot because it ain't nothing compared to me, right? We look at Satan like he's the equal of God. It's not true. We got to remember that, right? Okay, Verse one of chapter five says this. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophets, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God, in the God of Israel who was over them. So, so Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. You guys recognize those names? 
Haggai and Zechariah. They're two prophets that we actually have books from, that wrote books that we have in the Bible right now. And so we're going to flip over, you guys, if you could flip over with me to the book of Haggai, chapter one, verse one. We're going to look at this, but here's the deal, you guys. The work had been stopped for a period of time. Do you know how, about how much time since the founding of the, the temple foundation? 16 years. This was not a short amount of time. This wasn't like, you know, yesterday this happened. And then these prophets came and said some things and we're getting back at it. No, 16 years, you guys, that it had just been kind of, now how much of that 16 years since the foundation? We don't know exactly, but there was definitely a stretch of time that this was happening in. And we're going to read here the book of Haggai. I love Haggai. If you guys have never read Haggai, I would encourage you to read Haggai. Haggai is like a punch in the face. Haggai is awesome. I love Haggai. And we're going to read why, because he like totally punks these guys out. But Here's the deal, and this is a question I have for you guys. In all of chapter four, did God himself ever tell them to stop building the temple? No. Nope. Not once. Who did? Remember the ruler said, remember who it was, Artaxerxes? I told him to stop. It's a very interesting thing that I'm gonna kind of touch on, and it's a, definitely an interesting gray area because what does the Bible tell us? We're supposed to follow the rules of our of people that are over us, right? What else does the Bible tell us? We submit to the authorities as long as they line up with what God's saying. Where's the balance there, you guys? Well, I don't know is the answer. I think it's very specific to every situation. I've said before, we're going through and trying to archive some of the old messages from past books that we've gone through. And guess what we went through during uh, all of the COVID world that we were in for a long time? We went through the book of Judges. And there was one part as I was looking, trying to get a name for something, and I was talking about this idea of submitting to the, to the lowest level of authority that we can. And so I used the idea of robbing a bank. If your parents tell you, hey, we're going to rob a bank, buddy. Come help us. Would you do that? No. Why? Because God says no, <laughs> Right? And you would go to the next level of authority, which would be the authorities, right? The cops and tell the cops, my parents, I think they're a little crazy. They're going to rob a bank. And you would report that to them, right? Let's go up a little bit. What if the government says to shut the church down forever? We're not going to follow that rule because God says clearly, his word says, we do not forsake the fellowshipping of the saints. Now, I'm not going to act like we didn't close our doors. No, man, when the COVID thing first happened, we were like, okay, we have no idea what this is. Is this like the next black plague? We have no idea. And so, yeah, we shut our doors for a little bit. But the reality is, you guys, is that we would never have submitted and we never will submit. I'm just being really honest with you guys to any call from the government that ever says you will never open your doors again. No, not going to happen. And I've already said to the board, like, man, if that ever happens and I'm up here and they come in and arrest me, somebody on this board better get up here. And guess what? If the whole board's arrested, somebody else's butt better get up here and keep teaching until the whole church is arrested. You know? I mean, I guess I'll let an eight-year-old off. <laughs> right? Do you get my point, though? There's some things that we have to look at, and this is where I don't know the answer to this question for them. Because they had an authority that said, do not build until I give you permission and yet let's read Haggai chapter one, verse one. It says this, in the second year of King Darius, not King Artaxerxes, a new king, King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, which is another name for Jeshua, right? same name, the son of Jehozadak, uh, the high priest, saying, thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying what? Now listen to this. This people says, the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. This people says that. Then the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet saying, it is time for you yourselves to dwell, or I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, consider your ways. 
Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. Would you guys agree with me that Haggai's a bit of a punch in the face? Right? Haggai's like, look, punks, let me tell you why you got so much problems here. Because you failed to listen to what God said to do to begin with, which was build my temple. Build my house. Now, again, do I know the answer to, did God ever tell them to stop? I don't know, but I think Haggai makes it clear that God was definitely not happy that it took this long for them to figure it out and get back to it, right? And that's the key I'm getting at here. I don't have an answer. I wish I did have some really super clean answer that we could just apply to every situation all the time, but I don't, right? But I, I think we need to do our best to seek the Lord and to seek his word. And, and the reality is, what was the last word God had given Zerubbabel and them? Build my house. Build my house. And so we notice that when Haggai comes in and says, hey, this is what God's saying. You know, you, for however many years, let's just go with 16, since we know that was a time of separation between Artaxerxes making the order, right? And the foundation of the temple being built and all that. And when all of this stuff was happening with Haggai, here's the reality, you guys. Somewhere in there, they were like, hey, we're gonna be about building our house. Remember, they had gone back to their own homelands and they had built their houses. And he's like, man, think about this. He wasn't just saying, hey, it's okay that you're living in your mud huts. He said, no, is it okay? That, it's not okay that you're in your paneled houses. They had taken the time. They had really made their places nice. They were like decking it out. They were planting crops. They were doing everything that they wanted to do. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Right? Chasing after everything. And then saying, man, I ain't got time for God. I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time for all these other things. And so you guys, here's the reality. Flip back over with me to Ezra chapter five. Over this period of time, the people had grown lazy. And here's the thing. What Haggai tells us is that they put a spiritual spin on their laziness. Did you notice that? The people say, well, obviously the Lord's saying it's not time for us to do this. And I've had people actually come to me and say things like, well, you know, the Lord has asked me to really just take a rest. So I need to back off from Wednesday night service. It's like, really? God told you to take a rest by getting away from him and his people? I don't think that lines up. Now listen, if you're just lazy, own it, dude. You can ask my wife. There's Sunday mornings that I wake up at 4.30 like I do every Sunday and I'm like, ah, I went to bed at two. I just want to sleep today. Can I just sleep? No, get your behind out of bed and get to church, Right? And yeah, I kind of got to be here, but the reality is, don't we all feel that way at times? But at least I can own it. I think the Lord is telling me that I need to call Steve, my brother, and tell him to take over for the week. No, right? Like, no, I need to own my own junk. We can all be lazy. Amen. This is 16 years of laziness. No excuse. You guys... Why were they putting this thing on? Well, because they were more interested in making their house nice. They were more interested in earning a wage or getting some food back and making sure that they're ready for whatever the winter's gonna bring or all these other things. And, and God makes it clear, right? God's just like, you know why you've been having so much trouble? Because you're not listening. And so you're literally putting money in a bag with holes. And all of your crops are not turning out with all the effort you're putting in. You're not getting back. What you, were, what you were aiming at. And you guys, again, I'm not, I'm not a big one to talk about tithing, but really it's the one place in scripture that God says, try me on this, I dare you. And I gotta tell you, man, there was a time whenever I was playing in a band and I made $300 a week and I had a pastor that said, try God on that, I promise you. And man, I gave my 30 bucks and I have no idea I really don't how I lived in Philadelphia in a one-bedroom apartment with three other guys and ate ramen noodles. But I'm telling you this, I always had enough gas to get every gig done. I always had enough gas to get me to work and back. I always had enough food in my belly that it only growled once or twice a day, right? Like I got took care of it. And I'm telling you, when you're only making $300, that $30 is like, I, this is killing me. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm t- it's just, I believe it's a fact that God blesses those that give. And that's where we're going to end that. You guys got to figure out what that means in your own life. But the reality is, I got to say this, being interested in your own things sounds very familiar. I think we can fall into the same trap, putting the same spiritual language on things that really are just trying to hide our own selfish motives of what we want to do with our time, with our possessions, with our money. And the reality is, you guys, and I, I, this is my challenge all the time, if what you're saying and doing does not line up with God's word, it's clearly not God's will, right? The reason we don't have Haggai and Zechariah and all those guys anymore is because we got this, right? Now, do, am I saying that we don't have prophets? I think people still speak prophecy, but I will tell you this. And there was a lady in our church that I loved dearly named Mary that would come up and she would read your stinking mail. But do you know how she did it? By opening the word. And she would just be like, God told me to tell you this. Sometime, 90, 99.99% of the time. There was one time, I'll tell this story again because I always love this story, that I was, I think I might have told you guys all this, so I'm sorry. But I just, I, when God moves in an amazing way, it's just the coolest thing. And I'm there and I'm praying about this backdrop, which has now all been changed. But I'm like praying about it. I'm like, oh Lord, what am I gonna do with this? And Dave, you remember this conversation. And Mary called and I'm like praying and praying and praying and Mary called and I was like, okay. So I answered the phone and she's like, brother, the answer's yes. And I'm like, what? She's like, I don't know. I just know that the answer's yes. And I'm like, Mary, you just answered the question. <laughs> you didn't even know you were at, I was asking, right? It's cool to see when God moves like that, but that's not our norm anymore. Why? Because we've got the word, guys, and we can dig into it on our own. And if you're part of a church body, we get to sharpen one another with that. So that when someone comes up and says, I really feel like the Lord's telling me I need to go do this instead of that, you can be like, that's garbage, and you know it is, <laughs> right? We get to sharpen each other that way. I want to be a church that's sharpening one another. So here's the deal, and this is the coolest part, you guys, and this is another thing I want to see in our church, is that when we get sharpened, I want to see what happened here in verse 2. Do you notice that? As soon as the prophets were like, you guys are wrong and you need to get back at it, what happened? Zerubbabel and Jeshua rose up and began to build. They're like, you're right, and we're wrong. Let's fix it. Let's get to it. So let's keep reading. Verse three. At that time, Tatanai, I'm going to call him Tatooine, the governor of the region beyond the river and Shethar Bosnai and their companions came to them and spoke thus to them. Who has commanded you to build this temple and finish this wall? Then accordingly, we told him the names of the men who were constructing this temple. But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews so that they could not make them cease till a report could go to Darius. And then a written answer was returned concerning this matter. You guys, of course, as soon as the people were once again walking in obedience to God, do you know what happened there? They faced opposition. And we've talked about this. This is something that you, we should expect We should expect it. As we press into the Lord and walk in obedience, I'm telling you, we will have opposition from those around us, from the enemy working in our circumstances, and from our own flesh who doesn't like the change. It's the truth. And old Tatooine, this governor from beyond the river, and here's what I think I read when I read that from an area that doesn't concern him with what Jerusalem's doing. It's none of his concern, and yet here he is coming out of the woodwork. Hey, you guys. You know, what's going on? You guys, like, I I see these big stones. I see all this stuff happening here. I hear all this noise. What's going on? You know, and and to be honest with you guys, I love the answer they gave him. Because the fact is, is that here he is. He came up to inquire about the work that was being done. And what would be the American response to that? Mind your business. Right? As soon as I read that, I'd be like, how about you go back to over the other side of the river, dude? Get out of my face. I love that they didn't answer that way. It shows a bunch of different things. To me, it shows maturity in a way, right? It shows this idea that like, yeah, guess what? We are here because we're allowed to be here. We know that. And we were given a task by the former king to go come here and do this. But the the truth is, is that we're not here 
like our own people. And that's something I think as Americans, we kind of, that's why I say there's no clean answer, right? Because they're really, really like one side would say like, forget the government anarchy, right? Or maybe libertarian at least, right? And then you got the other side that's like, follow every rule and do everything they say. It doesn't matter if it makes sense or not, right? And it's like, I don't know that any of it's real. You know what I mean? I think we really got to go to God's word and, and be in prayer and seek his face with all we've got to know, Lord, what is the answer for this moment, right? And I love that here, they're like, hey, you asked the question. You asked what all this means and why we got it started. And so here's what we're telling you. They told him like it was. They said, look, here's the names of the people that are constructing the building. So they named Zerubbabel. They named Jeshua. They talked about all the different people that were basically in charge of these things, which we read last in the last chapter. Remember, that was a lot of the Levites and a lot of the people, the leadership. They were there and they're, they're, they're just naming it out. They're like, these, this is the list. Here they are. Now, you take that back to Darius and find out what's going to happen. And until you leave, until, you're, until we hear back, we're not stopping. And that's what I love about it, you guys. So here's the deal. They told old Tatooine what he wanted to know. And they told him, we're not going to stop working until we hear back from the king. In a way, they were like this. Get out of here with your nonsense. We've given you your answer you were looking for. We're not holding anything back from you. We're not trying to, to act like we're rebellious in any way. There's nothing of the sort going on here, but we are also not going to stop because our God told us to do this. And so they get back to it. And they told you know, Tat and I, like, go tattletale to the king if you want. But we were told in the beginning to build this temple, and that's what we're going to do. And I need us to see something here. The fact that they kept working, in spite of the fact that here they are getting tattletailed on again, showed that they trusted God over man. Showed that they were like, listen, we might hear something back that gets us back to where we were, but I, man, we're going with what God said through Haggai right now. We're going with what God said through Zephaniah, we're, you know, through Zechariah, forgive me. We're, we're going with these people and we're just going to go with it until we hear differently. And that's something I think we all can hear and should hear. Verse six, let's keep reading. It says this, this is the copy of the letter that Tat and I sent. The governor of the region beyond the river and Shethar Boznai and his companions, the Persians who were in the region beyond the river, to Darius the king. They sent a letter to him in which was written thus. To Darius the king, all peace. Let it be known to the king that he went into the province of Judea, that we went into the province of Judea to the temple of the great God, which is being built with heavy stones and timber is being laid in the walls. And this work goes on diligently and prospers in their hands. And then we asked those elders and spoke thus to them, who commanded you to build this temple and to finish these walls? And we also asked them their names to inform you that we might write the names of the men who were chief among them. And thus they returned us an answer saying, we are the servants of God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and completed. But because our fathers provoked the God of heaven to wrath, he gave them into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, the, Chal the Chaldean, who destroyed this temple and carried the people away to Babylon. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to build this house of God. And the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple that was in Jerusalem and carried into the temple of Babylon, those King Cyrus took from the temple of Babylon and they were given to one named Sheshbazar, who he had made a governor. Now, we talked a little bit about this before, but I'm just going to clear this up. Sheshbazar is another name for Zerubbabel. The word Sheshbazar actually means leader or the one in charge, the governor. So it's kind of like saying Sheshbazar, the governor, the one they call governor. That's basically what he's saying. So that's just talking about Zerubbabel. Verse 15. And he said to him, take these articles, go, carry them to the temple site that is in Jerusalem and let the house of God be rebuilt on its former site. Then the same Sheshbazar came and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. 
But from that time, even until now, it has been under construction and it is not finished. Now, therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it is so that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to build this house of God at Jerusalem and let the king send us his pleasure concerning this matter. You guys, if we're going to give this guy Tatanai any credit, the fact is, is it sounds like he just reported what they said verbatim, which is cool. Notice that like, it doesn't seem like he was probably a happy camper in the sense that he was obviously there for a reason inquiring what was happening. He wasn't happy about it, but at least you got to give him the credit that he did just say to Darius, hey, this is what they said. It seems as though that was his, kind of his heart was that he was like wanting to make sure that King Darius was aware of what was happening, but it wasn't like the 15 years prior, or the 16 years prior when we saw, remember, the other, the first guys, where they were like just trying to cause trouble and trying to, you know, with force coming in and stopping things and just being total jerks about it. That's not the way he was coming off. But I don't think he expected anything but a similar response that Artaxerxes had given, right? And maybe that's one of the reasons he was so calm about it because he's like, look, this got shut down before. We're going to shut this down again. That could be it. I have no idea. But I want us to look at what these Jews did because I love their response. They point out, I think there's a great, a few amazing things here that we need to point out in how they responded. They started off by saying, hey, here's who we are. We're servants of the God of heaven and earth. We're servants of the God of heaven and earth. And they don't shy away from why, you guys, why they find themselves there with a ruined temple and destroyed cities. They don't shy away from it. They own it. Why? Well, because their ancestors had screwed it all up. And finally, they didn't embellish the truth or make it more than it was, right? They weren't like, we have every right to this land. God promised it to us and we don't care what you say, king, right? They didn't do that. And they also didn't lie and be like, man, this is well known throughout all of Babylon that we're allowed to be back here. They didn't make it more than it was. What did they say? Look, there was a letter that was given through King Cyrus. And not only was there a letter that was given, he also gave us all the extra temple stuff that was left over in the, in the temple of Babylon, right? Like this is what he did. And he gave it all to this guy, Sheshbazar, the governor, right? Zerubbabel. He gave it all to this guy and we brought it back. And so look, King Darius, if it seems like a good idea to you, I would encourage you to go in and look that up. And we'll just wait for what you have to say about it. And I, I love that response, you guys. Because we are always going to have opposition when we follow God. But can I say something? We can never go wrong with the truth. And I don't know about you guys. Whenever I'm pressing into God and I come up against some things or someone starts questioning me when I was in the military, right? It was always a temptation because I'd be pressing into God and I'd be reading my word and I'd be doing all these things right in front of other people and people were asking questions and all this stuff and I would do something dumb that I deserved to be in trouble for. And do you know what the first thought I had in my head? Don't tell the whole truth, right? I, you don't have to tell them everything. You don't have to, you can make yourself kind of look a little good in this situation, Right? No, thankfully, the one thing I was well known for in the military, I'm not tooting a horn, I'm saying it because I'm too dumb to keep up with my own lies, so I just didn't lie, <laughs> right? Because here's the truth, you guys, the whole truth is good, bad, and ugly, all together, isn't it? The whole truth. I was just speaking with a brother who's going through a divorce, and, and I'm like, man, divorce is ugly, it's bad, right? And you, as the spouse that is speaking with me, can sit there and be like, but I did this, and it was so good, and I really tried so hard, and I'm like, no, that's garbage. It takes two people to get into a marriage, and it takes two people to get out. I don't care how you had bad in your side, too. Does that make sense? There's not one time, not one thing that when we speak the whole truth of where we are, listen, how many people have heard testimonies that it's like, Sometimes it sounds like they're glorifying all the bad things they did, which isn't good. And sometimes I've heard testimonies that are like, dude, you walked on water too? Wow. I'm like, I don't buy it, man. You know what I'm saying? 
The whole truth is good, bad, ugly, beautiful, all mixed together. It's all of it. And they didn't shy away from it. Look, we're here for a reason and we're doing this thing that God's called us to and we do have permission to do it. And I would love for you to look into that, King, but the reality is the reason we're here and the reason that the temple fell apart and the reason all this stuff happened is because our ancestors were idiots. And we went down a path we shouldn't have gone down and here we are trying to fix it. And they didn't even share the other part that they could have shared. For 16 years, we haven't listened. Let's add that one to the mix. You get what I'm saying? Man, if we own our stuff, do you realize that the enemy has no foothold in our life? None. And why do we give him such a foothold by being like, well, I'll share a little bit of the truth and feel kind of good about myself, but I'll hold back on this part and this part and this part. Why? I'm not saying you have to share that with everybody. Never once am I going to ask everybody to get up here and just tell me, spill your guts. No. But can I encourage you guys? Church, we need two or three. You need two or three women that know you know you, that know that you don't have to say a word and they're like, something's wrong. What's going on? And also know that when you talk and you're starting some sling, some stuff that they're like, "Mm -mm, we're not going to play that because you know that's garbage. Guys, we need that, don't we? So the reality is I love that they just spoke the whole truth. And the reality is, you guys, when we speak the whole truth, can can I just share something with you? You can always trust God with the outcome. You can trust God. There's not one thing that they left on the table here. They told Darius everything. They were like, here it is. And you do what you want with it. Like we trust that God's going to do what he's going to do with all of this information. But here it is. This is what was asked of us. And this is what we're given. And the reality is, you guys, the truth is Christians, what are we called to be? We're called to be set apart, aren't we? We're called to be holy, as Christ is holy, as God is holy, right? Is that something we're capable of? Nope. We need God to, to, to sanctify us, to work that out in us. But the reality is, you guys, the world, do you know what they do whenever they're asked something that they don't want to answer? They lie, they cheat, they steal. They do whatever they can, just like we all did before Christ got into our lives, right? And I don't know about you guys, but I still struggle with it sometimes. Like I said, 15 years in the military. And listen, the Air Force, do you know what their three core tenants are? What are they? Service before self, excellence in all we do, and integrity first. I saved that one for last, but it's actually first. Integrity first. You guys, how bad would it have been for my walk with the Lord, but also as an Air Force member to be like, yeah, I'm going to lie to you right now, sir. (laughs) No, we own it. And it saved my bacon so many times in the military because I would walk into my supervisor. There was one time um, that I, <laughs> in Iraq, and I was mocking my one coworker because that's fun. And we're driving in this truck and I'm mocking him and I, I fell off the road. And I don't know if you guys know what the desert's like when it's raining, but the sand becomes like quicksand. And I sunk a truck down to the axles, like done. And so he gets out, or I had to get out because I was driving. And then he gets out because he was sitting there and he, he like stomps his feet and he's like, I'm telling. <laughs> and he went running off to tell my boss, but he was heavier set than me. So we were running and I'm running and I, I ran by him and I get to my boss and I was like, whoo. And he's like, what's going on? You know, and I'm like, well, sir, here's what happened, chief. If you look right out there, I sunk a truck to the axles. Because I was making fun of Sergeant Newman. And he's like, well, that's kind of easy. I'm like, yes, it is. And I'm like, but I sunk that thing down to the axles. So I'm like, I'll have my pen ready, but I need to call transportation to get this truck pulled out of the mud right now. And then I'll just sign whatever paperwork you have for me. And he's like, for what? And I'm like, well, because I sunk the truck to the axles. He's like, and you told me. I'm not worried about it. Because he knew I was, I told the truth. I didn't lie about things. You get it? Anyway, just funny story. Poor Sergeant Newman. (laughs) To finish the story, (laughs) I was already done. We had already gone outside, saw the truck. Everything was done. The the chief was walking back into his office. And then Sergeant Newman's like, (laughs) Chief! (laughs) Chief's like, I already know. Sergeant, just get out of here. (laughs) Ah. You guys, we're in this process of sanctification, aren't we? And the reality is the whole truth is always good, bad, and ugly all wrapped together. So let's not kid ourselves and be so prideful as to skip part of the truth just so we end up looking better. 
or to skip part of the truth so that maybe we can finagle things our way and affect the outcome. The fact is, what was the answer that King Darius was going to bring out? Well, they didn't know, and they didn't really care, it seems. They were like, here's the reality. Here's all of the information. You figure out what you're going to do. We're going to trust God with it. So let's keep reading. Chapter 6, verse 1 says this. Then King Darius issued a decree, and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. And in Akmatha, a place in the palace that is in the province of Media, a scroll was found, and in it a record was written thus. In the first year of King Cyrus, King Cyrus issued a decree concerning the house of God at Jerusalem that let the house be rebuilt, the place where they offered sacrifices, and let the foundation of it be firmly laid, its height 60 cubits and its width 60 cubits, with three rows of heavy stones and one row of new timber. Let the expenses be paid from the king's treasury, and let the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took from the temple, which is in Jerusalem, and brought to Babylon, be restored and taken back to the temple, which is in Jerusalem, each to its place, and deposit them in the house of God. You guys, King Darius thought it was a good idea to investigate. And so he goes in and he, re- he investigates it and he saw that all of it was true. And I want us to, to take five seconds here. Do you realize that wasn't in Babylon? Where was that? Did you see that? It says they had the search around in Akmatha, which is in the province of Media. This wasn't, he, wa- he really wanted to know. And so he wasn't just like, just do a per- cursory search here and call it good. No, he sent it out to everybody. He's like, find out if this is true. I want to know. And so he had people everywhere looking and they found it. So he wanted to know. He wanted, he was seeking the truth. And he saw that all of it was true. Notice, they didn't hide anything. And so whenever he said it, whenever he saw it, he's like, yep, that's exactly what they said. And that's exactly what I'm reading. You guys, we cannot go wrong with the truth. If you hear nothing else tonight, I'm telling you, do not keep things in the dark. Don't keep your sin in the dark. Don't keep the garbage in the dark. Own it. Bring it out into the light. Not to everybody, but to those two or three people that you trust that know you. I'm telling you, the enemy wants nothing more than to keep us hidden and tucked away and removed from fellowship. And the easiest thing we can do to fight back against that is to be like, here's my garbage. Because then what Satan got to hold on to? Nothing. Speak the whole truth. Verse 6. It says, now therefore, Tatanai, governor of the region beyond the river, and Shethar, Bosnai, and your companions, the Persians who are beyond the river, keep yourselves far from there. Let the work of this house of God alone. Let the governor of the Jews and the elders of the Jews build this house of God on its site. So he's saying, stop bothering them. Leave them alone. Verse eight, I love this part. Moreover, I issue a decree as to what you shall do for the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God. Let the cost be paid at the king's expense from taxes on the region beyond the river. What's he saying? He's like, instead of this coming from my treasury, just give them the taxes that you owe me. Just help them out. Give them whatever they need. Verse 9, and whatever they need, young bulls, rams, and lambs for the burnt offerings of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the requests of the priests who are in Jerusalem, let it be given them day by day without fail, that they may offer sacrifices of sweet aroma to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. Also, I issue a decree that whoever alters this edict, let a timber be pulled out from his own house and erected and let him be hanged on it. And let his house be made a refuse heap because of this. And may the God who causes his name to dwell there destroy any king or people who put their hand to alter it or to, or to destroy this house of God, which is in Jerusalem. I, Darius, issue a decree. Let it be done diligently. Mm, come at me, bro. Now do you understand? This is awesome. Satan here thought he was going to yet again get the construction project shut down. 
slow things down, keep it going, get the people back to where they were, he was comfortable with them being, which was focused on themselves and their house and their stuff, right? That's what Satan loves in us is to get us back to a place where we're like, I don't really need church and I don't really need to do that. And you know what? I've got all these things for my kids going on and I've also got the lake house that I gotta be at and I've got this I've gotta do and I've got this and that and this and that. And I've gotta save more money because I'm going on vacation in three months. And so that means for the next three months, I'm working overtime every Sunday and I'm never gonna be at church, right? Man, Satan loves it when we're there. And people are like, Satan's attacking. No, he's not. He doesn't have to, dude. You're doing great on your own. Right? Start serving him and start pressing into him. And then, I promise you, then you can say, yep, Satan's attacking me. But when, man, when you're just like doing your thing and, and content with not being pressing into God, with not like focusing your heart on the Lord, I promise you, Satan really doesn't have to do too much. And I think we give him far too much credit far too often by saying, oh, look at what the enemy's doing in my life. And it's like, no, dude, that's you. Right? Truth is, here's Satan trying to get these people focused on themselves for 16 years. And God was like, no way, dude, not this time. And then he came down from the top rope and crushed all hope that Satan had. I don't know about y'all. How many watched WWF when you were kids, right? <laughs> dude, I don't know, man. Ultimate warrior. I just see God be like, Jimmy Fly Snooker, you know, just smashing him in the head, just taking him out. I'm sorry, you guys. It's just what I see. I'm like so stoked by this passage of scripture. Why? Because I want to see the church today in this place. I want to see the church today fired up and saying, God, we want to do what you want. We don't care what anybody says around us. That's what I want because guys, I'm telling you, Man, we're not going to have it easy, and things are never going to be easy. And guys, in America, we have as it easy as it will ever be. But I want the fire that the Iranian church has, and that the Chinese church has, and that the North Korean church has. The, the fire that says, I would walk six hours to get to a place in hiding at 3 a.m. to make sure I'm there on the time that I'm allotted to be there so that someone else can come a half an hour later and 45 minutes later and all that. Why? So we can sit there for 24 straight hours and learn the word so that then we can leave at different times and, get, and walk all the way back. I want to go back to Kenya where they're walking for a long ways just to come and be a part of church. Man, guys, I want that. Amen. I want that here. And so, yeah, forgive me if I get a little crazy with the whole... Jimmy Fly Snooker, but man, I want to see God do that here. Amen. And I love it because God doesn't just be like, you guys are good, just keep building. No, he's, <laughs> he uses King Darius to be like, not only are you supposed to stay far away from them, but also you guys, here you go, little tattletale, give all the money that you're supposed to give to me to them and also take care of their daily needs for the temple. Oh, and by the way, if anybody stands in the way of this, take a timber out of his own house, put it up as a pole and hang him on it, and then turn the whole place into a dump. Wow. You guys, I don't know about you, but I think if I were Tatooine, I can't imagine what the body blows probably felt like for him in that moment, where he's just like, what, what, what? Oh, come on, Right? Not only did he not expect that answer, but that answer, I don't think anybody expects. I'm kind of imagining Zerubbabel and then being like, what? <laughs> right? Here's the truth, you guys. Some cold, hard facts that I believe were pre being presented here tonight. First off, our lives and our walks with God are always a combination of good, bad, ugly, and beautiful, aren't they? All of it combined. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us has got it all figured out, right? And the reality is, is that is the way it's gonna be for every breath we have on here on this earth. We're never gonna be in a place where we've got it all figured out. We're never gonna be in a place where we finally are like, you know, Jesus, I finally don't need you anymore. I'm gonna get there on my own. No. To walk around thinking that all is well with our lives because we know Jesus is true, you guys, because the blood of Jesus was shed on the cross and paid for our sins, past, present, and future. But it's also naive and disingenuous to act like we don't ever do anything wrong. Isn't it? Listen, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And the fact is, is if we're walking through the mud, we're gonna get some mud on us. 
And that's every day, isn't it? And the fact is, is God never expected perfection. If he did, he wouldn't have sent his perfect son to die for us. He doesn't expect perfection, but what he does expect from us, you guys, is honesty. An honest and repentant heart. A heart that's like, man, God, you, you know me. Like, you know me better than I know me. I love the prayer that David prayed in the Psalms. Like, God, show me if there be any wicked way in me. I pray that a lot. I was talking to a brother the other day and I found it amusing because I was going through and I was explaining acts. You guys know acts, right? The way to pray, adoration, confession, uh, thanksgiving and supplication, right? And he was like, I don't usually have much to do in the C part. And I'm like, what? Like, man, you're good, dude. Like, please fill me in, (laughs) right? And come to find out, I'm like, dude, we always have something to confess, don't we? And I encouraged him. I'm like, if you really can't figure anything out, then pray the prayer that David prayed. A man after God's heart. Lord, show me if there be any wicked way in my heart. And I said, here's how I pray that. Lord, show me the wicked way in my heart. (laughs) Right? Because there definitely is one. There definitely is one. And by the way, I also punked him out and told him that he was full of pride, so he needed to confess that. (laughs) You guys, the fact is, we need to not be afraid to admit all of it, the good, the bad, then the ugly, all the stuff that goes on in our heads, that goes on in our thoughts, and that goes on in our actions. We need to not be afraid to admit that to God and to those two or three people in your life that you know and that they know you. And the second thing I believe that we learn here, you guys, is that we can trust God even when things seem hard. Even when they seem really hard. And I need to remind us of something that I need constant reminding of. Do you guys know that God is omniscient? That means he's all-knowing. Like there's not a math problem you're going to put his way that he's not going to know. Right? There's not one thing that you can ever bring to him that he's not ever going to say, yep, I know. Because I think sometimes we walk in pride so much that we're like, I can't tell God what I just did. It's like when people out in the world, they'll say like, man, I can't come into the church doors. The church will fall down. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't fall on me every day and I'm here. And trust me, I'm, I'm plenty, there's plenty of reason for these walls to fall down, <laughs> right? It's, it's pride, man. And it's a lack of not knowing who God is. God is omniscient. He knows everything. You're not ever gonna throw him off his throne. He's omnipotent, all-powerful all-powerful. There's not one thing in this whole world that could ever happen here that he is not absolutely and 100% in control of. We need to hear that, you guys. And the last thing he is that I'm just pointing out three here, he's omnipresent. He's omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at all times, in every moment of time, at the same time. Let that bake your noodle. Everywhere, at all times, in the same, or in every moment of time, at the same time. That's why he can say you're justified in the blood of Christ. Why? Because he already sees you perfected. Even though you're like, no, I'm not, (laughs) right? I'm walking through the sanctification process, and man, right now, I'm about waist deep in mud. What are you talking about? Justified. But he can say that because he sees everything all at the same time, and we can rest in it, even though we're still trudging through and falling flat on our face and getting up and confessing and repenting and walking. You guys, I just, I need you to hear this. If we get our head around just those three attributes, of which there's many more, but if we can get our head around just those three, I gotta say something. I think it should leave you and I in absolute awe of who God is. It does me. But also, it should leave us with no fear for his direction and plan for our lives. There's not one governmental law that will come down that we need to be afraid of. There's not one thing that God might say to do that might get us in trouble that we need to really sit in fear on if we know God is telling us to do it that way. Does that make sense? Which means we need to stand in awe of God and say, God, you are all powerful and you are all knowing and oh Lord, I'm not. And so I need you to fill me in. Give me knowledge. Give me a peace. Give me everything I need to walk through this because things are getting crazier, you guys. They're not getting easier. Right? Listen, out of all the eschatological positions I want to hold, I would love to hold the post-millennial view that says we're just going to hand Jesus a perfect world. But I don't know about y'all. When I look around, I don't see it. 
I just don't. I can't even get my head around it. Things are going downhill. The fact is, you guys, he controls everything all the time and he's aware of every possible outcome. We can trust him with our lives and with everything we're going through. Amen? So yeah, I don't know if you guys are here going through something right now where you're like, look, I've, I've got a situation at work that I, I you know, if I tell the, the, the whole truth, it might end up meaning this. I had those moments in, in the military that had nothing to do with me lying. I, had to, I got investigated one time because I was reading my Bible at work and someone turned me in for it and said I was proselytizing and telling everyone about Jesus. And they were like, hey man, you telling people about Jesus? I'm like, I'm reading my Bible and people are asking questions. So yeah, I am. And they're like, well, no, that's not what we're asking. Are you just going and telling people about Jesus? I'm like, I'm reading my Bible. They come up and ask questions. And yes, I'm telling them about Jesus. I was truthful. And at the end of that, I was found innocent. And it could have meant a lot of trouble. It could have meant an article 15 and kicked out of the military. It could have meant a lot of things, but it didn't mean that. And I think a lot of that was because I didn't make it more than it was, but I also didn't minimize any bit, any bit of it. Do you get what I'm saying? You guys, we can trust God with the outcome. We can. With everything. So maybe that's your situation here. Maybe you're at work and maybe something's going on like that. Maybe you have a, a person in your family that you're just like, man, Lord, you know the situation there and you know they get so angry every time I bring up your name. So Lord, give me the wisdom to know what to speak or what to listen or how you want me to do this, God, because I don't know the right answer. And I don't know how to go about it, but I know this, I know the truth, and the truth is you. And I want them to know it too. You guys, we can trust that God knows what's up and we can trust him. And all of that just brings us to a place where we're leaning in harder and harder into him, amen? That's the whole point, you guys. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.